Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. We're continuing in the book of Romans today. We're looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And we're continuing to think about the the so what of the gospel. You know, what difference does it make to our lives? And we're thinking about what difference it makes to us as as a church, as a people together. That our love must be sincere. But what does that really look like? And that's what we're going to be thinking about today, particularly in the way that we handle people who've done us wrong. And just to remind you once again that um, there is more content available on the YouTube channel. I've just restarted the holiness course this last week. And at this week, we're thinking about loving and treasuring the Bible. And that's available on the YouTube channel. Also, the live stream Bible study on Wednesday afternoon restarted. And we're currently working our way through the book of Isaiah. So do have a look at that on YouTube if that interests you. And uh, if you do have a moment, then it would be uh, really appreciated if you could leave this podcast rating even a review if you are able to in your podcast provider as that does help with other people to uh, to find the show so thanks so much everyone for listening i hope that this sermon is a blessing to you god bless and i'll see you again soon so last week we were thinking about the the so what of the gospel you know you've you've heard the gospel message but so what what difference does that make to us and that's the question that we all need to know, isn't it? You know, that we, we, we don't just believe in a set of doctrines, but we actually, it has to make a difference to how we live. And that's the question that Paul is answering all the way through these last chapters of Romans, chapters 12 to 15. And we're thinking about how it applies in, in various different areas of life. And we saw last week how Paul's summary was to offer yourself as a living sacrifice that was kind of his summary about how we should be to God, that we should offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God. But this week, we are thinking about what it means to live with one another, uh, particularly how we should be together as a church. And Paul's summary here is in verse 9. He says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. So last week we were thinking about offering ourselves as a sacrifice to God. That's, that's the summary of how we should be to God. But sincere love, that's how we should be with one another. That's, that's the point. Now why do you think Paul feels the need to say love must be sincere? And I think the answer is because love can be insincere. Love we can have the appearance of love without love, without genuine love. That's the thing, that insincere love isn't really love at all. And it, it, it can be possible to get those two things confused. And I think we've already uh, come across various examples of this as we've gone through Romans. One of the ways that love can be insincere is with uh, Pharisaism. You know, this idea that in order to please God, All we need to do is simply to keep the rules. That I think that is one of the ways in which love can be insincere. Because if we do that, we're not really thinking about loving other people. We're just thinking about not doing anything wrong uh, for our own benefit, if you like. You know, for our own holiness, rather than thinking about loving the good of other people. So I think that's something which we've already come across as, as we've gone through Romans, that Pharisaism, that legalism, is, is a lack of love, is not sincere love. I think there are other ways that, 
that we see that, particularly in today's world. One of the ways that I think we see insincere love is with this kind of um, proceduralism or managerialism which is taken over, which is that we don't uh, treat people with love, but we just treat people with a set of rules, uh, you know, with a list. Like, for example, you know, you call up a, um, a phone line, a helpline, and you know you, you want to have you know problems you've having problems with your electricity supply or something. You call up the help center, and rather than actually dealing with you as a person, they just follow a script, you know. And, and it's it's just this. Well, this is the procedure for dealing with people who ring up. You know, we're not going to treat you as a human being. We're just going to follow the script. And you see that all over the place at the moment. And sadly, I think you even see that in the church. Uh, I think, for example, the way that safeguarding is done in a lot of churches, uh, like the Church of England, for example, is very much of that ilk, that we don't treat people as individuals and as sinners and, and what have you, but we just treat people according to a set process, not according to their individual needs and according to you know, the, the specifics of the situation. So I think we, that's another way that love can be insincere and it's very common today. And the final way that I wanted to mention was just in terms of being nice. I think in the church today, there is a real um, attitude that we need to be nice to one another. You know, we need to be nice in everything. But being nice is not loving necessarily. Being nice, being polite, never offending anybody, never saying anything which might go against the status quo. You know, those things are maybe nice, but they're not loving. That actually love demands more of us. And that's what Paul turns to. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And those words, I think, are, are really important because they say that we should we should hate evil you know we should have that reaction against evil that sometimes people think that love means you know that that we um overlook evil and this has been misunderstood in i think many places in many churches especially today where bad behavior just gets minimized and swept under the carpet let me give you an example of that. There was a church that I was involved in, not the church that I went to, but a church I was involved in with another ministry. And there was someone there who I think was actually quite rude to me and quite, what I would say, even bullying. And apparently this was not, you know, what he, he did with me was, this was just a common pattern of behaviour. But this wasn't really dealt with by the church leadership it was just kind of excused and say oh well that's just that's just him you know and and nobody really said anything about it or did anything about it and i think that comes from a misunderstanding of what love is now, that love isn't you know ignoring when someone is bullying or when someone mistreats other people it's not ignoring those things but it's it's dealing with them that's what we need to do and actually that's what Paul comes on to a little bit later. Um, so what he what he does at this point, he just sort of throws out a number of, of things which sincere love looks like. 
and what it means to hate evil and cling uh, to what is good. And we're just gonna go through these quite quickly. I'm gonna spend just a few moments on each one, but I hope that this is kind of clear. The idea is really, it's, it's, it's making a picture of what it looks like rather than giving an exhaustive list. So Paul is kind of painting a picture here, helping us to see rather than giving us an exhaustive list of everything. That's, that's the point. And so Paul says, uh, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. Honour one another. That's what it means to have sincere love for one another. And what that means is that we need to seek the good of others, even when it's hard. But we need to seek their good, not just, you know, that we all rubbing along together, walking roughly in the same direction, but that you know, we're just kind of isolated, but that we are together and we need to, to walk together. And we'll come back to that phrase in a moment. But I mean, there are lots of implications of this, but let me give you one example of this from the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, I think the Heidelberg Catechism is a, a great way of, of sort of teaching the Christian faith. Um, but let me read you what it says in question uh, 112 about the ninth commandment. Remember the ninth commandment says, do not bear false witness. This is what the Heidelberg Catechism says that means for us. I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbour's honour and reputation. So what this is saying is that if someone else is having their honour and reputation trashed, and we, we know better, then you know, as Christians we should step in and defend them, especially if it is a member of the Christian community. You know, that we should that we should step in to defend people when they are being slandered and when they are being you know, their reputations are being destroyed as if it was ourselves that's one implication of what it means to be devoted to one another and to honor one another above ourselves there are many other implications too but we don't have the time to go through all of it i'm just trying to give you a little picture here um so then Paul goes on, verses uh, 11 and 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So we need to serve God faithfully and, and joyfully. And we need to, to keep doing it, you know, not being discouraged, but to keep on serving him. And I think this goes back to, to sincere love. Because love is a very powerful motivator, isn't it? You know, that at the end of the day, I think love is what keeps us going with God and with serving other people. Now, if we really love them, if we really care about them, then we won't be discouraged ultimately, you know, but that we'll keep doing it because we want to keep loving them. We want to keep serving them. And I think that's what Paul is saying here, that love and faithful service go together. That if we really love the Lord's people, 
then we will um, keep our spiritual further, then, then we will be joyful and patient and, and faithful and so on, that those things go together, that, that love is the driving force which uh, brings those things together. And then Paul says, verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So we need to, to do more than just words, but we need to actually let our words translate into action. That we need to let our words become, you know, practical action as well. And not just in a financial way, uh, of course, that's one aspect of this, um, but also, you know, um, sharing food and, you know, that that our homes, perhaps, you know, um, all of the things that we have. You know, if we if we see someone in need who's a brother or sister in Christ, and we have the opportunity to help them, and we don't help them, that's that's what Paul is is saying. You know, we we need to take those opportunities to help our brothers and sisters in need. Now, this isn't saying about social action. This isn't saying about help the homeless or help the poor or anything like that. But Paul is saying that we need you know, the Lord's people, brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. You know, we need to do what we can to help them in practical ways. And then in the, the next few verses, verses 14 to 16, you I think you could sort of summarize this to walk together. I'll skip over verse 14 because we come in, come on to that again in just a second. Um, but Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. You know, we should, we should be, uh, you know, if someone is, is going through a good time, then we should rejoice with them, you know, because it, we care about them. You know, it's not, they're not some isolated individual over there who's nothing to do with us. But if they're happy, we should be happy. And similarly, if they mourn, then we should mourn with them. You know, we should care about what's happening in their lives. We should care enough to, you know, for it to affect us. That's, that's what love does, doesn't it? Love kind of sympathises and, and empathises with other people. That we empathise with what other people are going through. This is what Paul said, actually, in another letter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 where Paul says uh, if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honoured every part rejoices with it and that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ that we're not just individuals but when we come together then what happens to another part of the body matters to us too because we're part of one body so we should we should have that level of of being together now we should share one another's lives and one implication of this i think is that you now are there people in in your church you know other brothers and sisters in christ who know what's really going on with you you know do you share what's making you happy what's making you sad do you really share your situation it doesn't mean to say that you need to share it with absolutely everybody but i think we do need to to actually be open with others. You know, we need to be open about what's on our minds, what's on our hearts, what's making us rejoice, what's making us mourn. And we need to share those kind of things. That's what it means to be to be the church. Uh, and then Paul says, um, live in harmony with one another. The word here 
could actually mean you know being of a common mind so that we need to you know think similarly as other people and that doesn't mean that you know we need to have all the same uh, political opinions and, and everything but it, it is interesting isn't it in today's world how we're so um, disunited they're so driven apart by everything that's happening in the world and people have got different opinions about politics and about you know Brexit and about this that and the other and, and all of those things and we need to walk together now we need to find a way of coming together in love trusting that you know we can walk as Christians together and you know perhaps working out our differences and talk you know learning how to to talk about these things and seeing what God might have to say uh, listening to him about it and uh, Paul says um, uh, do not be proud but we will be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited so we need there you know to not care about our social status but we need to be willing to associate with people of low position now this is not something which has ever really been an issue for me because I've you know I always felt that I'm one of these people who's you know perhaps on the, the bottom rung of the social ladder or perhaps not on the bottom rung but you know I've never been someone of high position shall we say um, but I, I have seen this kind of thing in action that you know it's horrible in churches when you get snobbery when you get people looking down on others because that's a real that's a denial of the gospel at the same time it's lovely it's it's beautiful when you see people from different walks of life from different social positions kind of coming together and I, I've seen both of those things but one thing which came to mind actually was when um, in a church that we used to go to quite a few years ago um, when I was um, you know in my early 20s and we went to um, a Bible study which was held in the house of someone who uh, had uh, at least two portraits in the National Portrait Gallery he was quite a, a well-known um, architect at the time and um, you know that I just thought that was a real picture of this you know just that I mean who was I who were me and my wife you know we went and who were we to go there but that was the thing but we were brothers in Christ brothers and sisters in Christ you know that it didn't matter we could just go and have a Bible study and that was that was great that was that was what God wanted um so um yeah social status doesn't matter when it comes to when it comes to Christ we should treat everyone equally in Christ now in these next few verses the last part of our passage today Paul talks about how we deal with wrong and he actually elaborates on this a bit more and I think the reason that he he goes into this in more detail is because this is such a key thing for Christians that how we deal with with sin and how we deal with others when they've wronged us it gets to the heart of our faith that you know love really um, you know if it doesn't make a difference to that it doesn't make a difference to anything you know because that's that it's the deepest thing isn't it and when someone's wronged us then it really we have to put our money where our mouth is when it comes to faith that's why Paul um, spends so much time on it so he says do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone so he says don't repay anyone evil for evil 
that's the, the fundamental thing. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. I remember I was, um, a few years ago, I was having my hair cut. And as you can probably see, I, I don't really go to the hairdressers anymore. Um, don't have quite the need for that that I used to. So this was some years ago. I was having my hair cut and I was sitting in the, the like the, the waiting or you know, just sitting waiting. And they, they were chatting and one, one chap said, they were talking about a, you know, a young, a child who'd been treated, I, I'm not sure, either killed or, you know, something terrible that happened to them. And this person said, oh, let the parents at them. That's the, the fairest way. That's the, the fairest way of dealing with it. So in other words, that after having something terrible happen, the best thing to do was to allow the parents to just have their pound of flesh to go in and beat them up or, or whatever it might be and to get their revenge on them. And I thought, well, that's, that's the world's way, isn't it? You know, the world's way is you've got to get your revenge. You've got to get even. That's the way of the world. And what Paul is saying is absolutely that's not the way that we should be as Christians. Instead, he says, we should, um, verse 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I think what this means is that we should be prepared to take a hit and to suffer an injustice, even if it means, you know, we, we have to, we have to let it be for the sake of peace. Now, how can we can we do that? How can we take an injustice? And Paul says, he goes on, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Now, I think this is a really key lesson for dealing with when we've been treated badly, when we've been treated sinfully, when we've been sinned against. Don't get revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. And the reason is because uh, we know that when we are not really capable of dealing with these things rightly. This is what James says uh, a little bit later on in um, the Bible in, in the New Testament, James chapter 1 verse 20. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I this is a lesson that it's taken me a long time to learn, but I think this is an important lesson for us. And maybe part of the, the reason it's taken me a long time to learn it is because, you know, it really requires someone sinning, sinning against you in order for you to really understand it. And I think, you know, perhaps for a lot of us, we can go through life without experiencing that very, very much. I mean, it, it happens in minor ways from time to time. But you know, when you're sinned against in a more major way, you really have to, to learn this. And my, my lesson that I've learned from this is, you know, you, the, the natural desire is for justice. And the natural desire is to go knocking people about and to say, look, do you understand what you've done here? You know, that's what you want to do. And that's why I think it's so important to take a step back and to take a step back from that anger. Because as, as James says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And what gives us the, 
the ability to step back from our anger and our desire for justice is knowing that God is more righteous and just than we are and he is able to put things right in a way that we can't. You know, he can do things rightly. You know, he can do things like human, we, you know, we can fly off the handle, we can do things that we regret, we can say things that we regret. But God, he never does. He always deals righteously and justly and he will do what is right. And that's what I think is so important to understand when it comes to, to dealing with evil. You know, that we don't have to be the aggressor. We don't have to try and get revenge or try to, to put things right in our own strength. But we can leave it to God to do what is right. What we need to do, as Paul says in verse 20, uh, he quotes a proverb. He says, uh, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. There's, um, there was a, a poet, uh, an Anglican priest and a poet from the um, uh, 16th century, 17th century called George Herbert. And he, uh, one of his poems, he had a line which says, living well is the best revenge. And I think that's kind of a, what this means here, saying that you know, living in a godly and righteous way is the best revenge. It's the only kind of revenge which is permitted, if you like living uh, in accordance with God's ways, you know, considering, caring for even our enemies. You know, as Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now that doesn't mean being a doormat. And I think these verses have been misinterpreted and misapplied over the years. And you know, for example, it doesn't mean if someone is abusing you, you know, physical abuse or, or any kind of abuse, that you just offer them a cup of tea and don't talk about it. You know, that, that's, that's not, not the way to interpret this. Uh, that actually, if someone is, abu is abusing, the best thing for them is to, to take yourself out, not to allow them to abuse you. That's best for them. And even report them to the authorities because they need to be dealt with uh, appropriately. So, you know, this is not saying we need to let ourselves be abused. You know, that's not what, what um, Paul is saying here, the way that he's using that quote. But rather that we should have a care and concern for our enemies, and we should always be looking for what's best for them. Even if that means uh, thinking about, you know, um, stepping away, reporting them to the authorities perhaps, and, and what have you. That we have to think about what's best for them, not about you know trying to get our own back and that's that's the main thing here that this is not about getting our own back but this is about thinking about what is best even for those who wronged us that's the the level of of difference that we have to make and paul he finishes this section do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good now that's if you like the summary of what it means to deal with sin, to deal with wrongdoing, when we uh, when we're in the church, when we are Christian, not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. That's what it means. There's a a famous sketch by uh, Mitchell and Webb, 
and it's become quoted a lot but there's just a sketch there's a moment in which um, David Mitchell's character dressed as a you know, Nazi SS um, officer is talking to um, to, to, to Webb, Robert Webb, and, and he um, he just you know looks at the logo. He says, "Do you realise we've got skulls on our logo?" And then he just says, "Are we the baddies?" <laughs> and it's one of those classic moments in in comedy. But I think it's that that thing that it's so easy when we respond to you know to wrongdoing, we can do it in a wrong way, and it's so easy for that to happen that when we have been wronged ourselves it's so easy to respond to to that in a wrong way and what Paul says and he's saying is that no no we have to go the opposite don't overcome evil with evil but overcome evil with good that's the principle that we should be looking for always seeking to do what is good and right overcoming evil with good that's what we should be uh, committed to as Christians, rather than letting ourselves go down a path where we, you know, um, uh, just do what the world does. And actually, I think all of this is, uh, as Paul says in the previous chapter, you know, to be transformed. Don't, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. You know, don't go along with what the world does, but be transformed. I think you see that perhaps most clearly in how we deal with sin and wrongdoing. Now, when we've been sinned against, the world will do one thing. The world will just retaliate. The world will, will take revenge. But what we need to do instead is not take personal revenge, but actually leave it to God. And we need to commit ourselves to doing good. That's the way that we, we shine out as we you know we make a difference in the world one of the, the key ways is how we deal with sin and wrong against us so let's just take a moment to to conclude um, the world is full of insincere love I think you know the world is full of this kind of insincere love of either legalism you, know, you keep the rules and you're all right or you know um, uh, proceduralism or you know don't treat people according to their needs according to them as human beings but just treat them according to this process according to these this set of steps or you know just being nice to them rather than actually loving them and we as we as the church we have to be different you know that in the church love must be sincere that's the thing we have to have real love for one another and there are lots of different ways in which we can demonstrate love for one another. You know, there are lots of different ways, as Paul outlines, that, that we can do that. Honouring one another, being devoted to one another, you know, living at peace, walking with one another, all of those things. But perhaps most clearly, that sincere love is shown in the way that we deal with sin and wrongdoing. Now, rather than trying to get our own back on people we actually seek to do good and leave the justice to God. And um, there's more to say on that. We'll come on to that uh, next week. But particularly how we deal with wrongdoing against us, that's, that's how our light uh, shines out perhaps most clearly. The good thing is, and I just wanted to finish with this, that sincere love, you might be thinking, well, 
I don't have that kind of love. You know, I don't have that kind of love. And I, I can sympathize because, you know, love is hard, isn't it? You know, it's hard to love other people and we don't have it. But then that's the point of the gospel, that we don't love others as we should, but God gives it to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read you a few verses from 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. I'll, I'll finish with this. But this is saying that we, we don't have that love in ourselves, but we rely on God's love working in us. That's what we need and that's what we have to ask for, is for God's love to be at work in us, to do what we can't do ourselves, to give us that sincere love for one another. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We know and rely on the love God has for us and on God's love living in us. And that is a, a summary of the Christian life, not in our own strength, but in God's strength, sincere love in God's strength. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we recognise as we read through this passage just how far short we often fall um, in, in loving one another and being devoted to one another honouring one another above ourselves um, in all sorts of ways, but especially in the way that we deal with things when we've been wronged. And too often we respond like the world, uh, with anger and with revenge, when we should be responding with love. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would so change us, that you would grant us to love, to be able to respond rightly, and to be able to take a step back and leave room for your wrath, uh, and to be able to uh, to bless and not curse even our, even our enemies. So please give us sincere love for one another. Help us to grow in love and not in the power of our own strength, but in yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.